0: Today is the fourth and final Sunday of Advent. We're in Isaiah chapter 7. And to see what's going on here, we really need to understand the context. We need to understand the literary context, but we also need to understand the historical context what was going on in the world at this time. So, in chapter 6, Isaiah is given a vision of God on his throne. We're going to read more about that in a minute. But following that vision, Isaiah hears God say, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah replies, Here I am, send me. And so God commissions Isaiah to deliver a message to his people, but in the same breath, he tells Isaiah that the people aren't going to listen. They have ears to hear, but, but they cannot understand. They have eyes to see, but they cannot perceive. Their hearts are dull. No matter how faithful Isaiah is, no matter how clear and compelling his preaching, God's people are going to be incapable of hearing him. And today in chapter 7, this dullness of heart is demonstrated by none other than the king of Judah. So, that, so that's the literary context. The, now, the, the historical context At this point in history, the people of God have fractured into two distinct kingdoms. You have the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. King Ahaz is the king of Judah. Now, the Assyrian empire was gaining strength at this time, and the Assyrians posed a major threat to the lesser kingdoms in the region, like Israel and Judah. So, out of concern for the growing Assyrian empire, out of a desire to push back against the Assyrians, the king of Israel and the king of Syria join forces, and they ask King Ahaz, the king of Judah, to join their alliance. But King Ahaz refuses, and so Israel and Syria begin to wage war on Judah. They want to force Judah to join their alliance. But King Ahaz is more interested in allying with the Assyrian Empire. He's convinced that the best way to preserve his kingdom is to cozy up alongside his most powerful enemy. This was like a mouse forming an alliance with a cat. It's not going to go well. So, at the beginning of Isaiah chapter 7, the Lord sends Isaiah to deliver a message to King Ahaz, He tells him not to worry about Israel and Syria. They are not a real threat to the kingdom of Judah, and they are not going to succeed. After all, those kingdoms are led by mere men. But the kingdom of Judah is led by God himself. You see, the kingdom of Judah actually had two kings. Ahaz was a king. But Ahaz was ultimately under the authority of an even higher king, that being King Yahweh, the God of hosts. Ahaz is supposed to remember that he is ruling as a man under authority. And keep in mind, these things follow immediately after Isaiah chapter 6, where the prophet is given a vision of God. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Kings sit on thrones. High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. That is why King Ahaz doesn't need to fear. The king of Israel is nothing before the king of the king of Judah. The king of Syria is nothing before the king of the king of Judah. And in fact, the entire Assyrian empire is nothing before the king of the king of Judah. And So so the kingdom of Judah is a mouse, and the Assyrian empire is a cat, but the Lord is a lion. God is on his throne. Why, King Ahaz, are you so afraid? And that brings us to our scripture for today. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10. The Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. God says, I'm right here, Ahaz. I see your predicament and I am with you, trust me tell me what you want me to do and I will do it. I can send a swarm of locusts. I can make the sun stand still. I can cause the earth to open up and swallow your enemies. Just tell me what you want me to do. But Ahaz says, verse 12, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. So God offers to help, and Ahaz refuses. I will not put the Lord to the test. And that sounds pious, right? Jesus said something similar in Matthew chapter 4. But remember, Jesus was talking to the devil. Ahaz is talking to God. God is not tempting Ahaz here. He's sincerely offering to help. And so so this is a stubborn refusal. This is evidence that King Ahaz lacks faith. Faith, right, is the conviction of things not seen. But Ahaz doesn't have that. And so he opts for the solution he can see. Ahaz would rather cozy up with a cat he can see than place his trust in a lion he cannot see. He has greater confidence in the Assyrian army than he has in the Lord of hosts, the God of Isaiah 6. And so Isaiah says to Ahaz, verse 14, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. You don't want a sign, but God's going to give you one anyway. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, here's a general rule of thumb for reading the Bible. Whenever the narrative presents us with a miraculous conception, God is doing something big. Sarah was barren. Rebecca was barren. Rachel was barren. Hannah was barren. The mother of Samson was barren. Elizabeth was barren. But barrenness is no obstacle to God. Through each of those women, God was doing something big. But Isaiah is not just talking about a barren woman. Isaiah is talking about a virgin woman. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. The implication is that God is doing something bigger than he's ever done before. And so on, on one hand, this is very good news for King Ahaz. The birth of this child suggests that his royal dynasty has a future. God will preserve the house of David. But on the other hand, the birth of this child is a sign of judgment against Ahaz. We are told that he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. The child will be called precisely what the king has forgotten. The king has forgotten that God is with him. Look at verse 16. It says, before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. This is just an idiom, meaning before, before the boy ascends to the throne, okay? Before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. All right, this, this verse is difficult to translate. Um, the English Standard Version says, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted, but... Who are those two kings? The ESV seems to think this is a reference to Israel and Syria, right, who are attacking Judah at this time. But listen to how the King James Version renders the same verse. The land that you, King Ahaz, abhor shall be forsaken of both her kings. So the the ESV seems to indicate that Israel and Syria will be forsaken, But the KJV seems to indicate that Judah will be forsaken. And I think the King James Version has it right here. Literally, this verse says, She will be forsaken, the land which you vex from the face of both her kings. You see, Israel and Syria were attacking Judah, but the real threat to Judah was Judah's king. By his lack of faith, King Ahaz was vexing and plaguing his own kingdom. So Isaiah warns that Judah will be forsaken by both her kings, not only by King Ahaz, but also by King Yahweh. Judah will be forsaken by both her human king and her divine king, and then the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. All right. Let me recap all that. The kingdom of Judah has two kings. Ahaz, their human king, and Yahweh, their divine king. The land is under attack, but King Ahaz is too afraid to entrust the future of his kingdom to Yahweh. He would rather trust the Assyria he can see than the God he cannot. And so Isaiah delivers a prophecy. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel. The house of David will be preserved, but not before the kingdom of Judah is forsaken. Okay, what can we learn from that? To answer that, I want to turn to our gospel reading for today. Matthew chapter 1 actually quotes Isaiah chapter 7. We'll begin in verse 19. Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put Mary to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But behold, an angel appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So, The connection is subtle here, but I think the Gospel of Matthew is presenting Joseph as the anti-Ahaz. Like Ahaz, Joseph is described as a son of David. Both men were members of the house of David, born in the line of David. In addition, both men were afraid. Both men were facing a crisis And in the face of that crisis, both men were given the very same sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. But whereas Ahaz refused the sign, Joseph received the sign. Joseph placed his trust and his faith in the God of Isaiah 6. Joseph did the faithful thing that on the surface made no sense. Joseph did the faithful thing, the the thing that only makes sense if God is on his throne. And so, the question for us is just, which will it be? Ahaz or Joseph? You can have fear or you can have faith, but you cannot have both. Fear is wholly incompatible with faith. Faith means relying on God when you are afraid, when the world is in turmoil, when your enemies are are knocking at the gate. Faith is the opposite of fearful anxiety. And so, this week, final week of Advent, as, as you live in a world full of things that cause you to fear full of things that make you anxious. Remember that God has given you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And the meaning of that sign is that you have nothing to fear. Because Emmanuel, because God is with us. The Lord of hosts, the lion of the tribe of Judah, is upon his throne, high and lifted up. And he is in control. Because we belong to him, because he is our king, we have no more to fear than he does. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, sovereign God, you are you are high and lifted up. You are in control. It is good to be known by you and to be seen by you and to be cared for by you. Jesus be with us today and every day as our Emmanuel. Drive out our fears, drive out our anxieties, Teach us to trust you in the midst of a world that causes us to fear. And Holy Spirit, fill us with faith so that we can receive the sign this week as we await the birth of our Savior. Please prepare our hearts for that glorious day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.